0: Spidey Spidey Tracer has a long history. Do you know when it first came around? Stick around and find out the answer. Hello and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your Next, digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years and have never lost my passion for comic books, it's something I try to pass on to old and new readers. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 for Monday, January 10th, 2022. Yes, I am well aware that it has been nearly a month since my last episode. Part of the reason was to avoid the holidays. There was enough to compete with everyone's attention. I wanted to wait until things were less busy and crowded. As always, I try to talk about a variety of comics. However, I am always in the mood to read a Silver Age comic. Countless others have no idea about any of the ages. Maybe their curiosity got piqued by my covering Amazing Spider-Man 13 with Mysterio on the cover. Putting this podcast together is always a balancing act between newcomers and long-term fans. I also try to cover all genres and publishers, though, admittedly, not equally. Believe me, there are quite a few comics queued up ready for review. Unfortunately, I can only do so much, and I do have a life outside of the podcast, believe it or not. Also, sometimes a comic or character doesn't get all the attention to should on my end, for example, I could have done a whole episode on Doctor 13, but it doesn't go with the format of covering multiple things. This time around, Steve Niles, Delta 13, did get the short end of the stick. It ended up being the last piece I put together in Shorter because the podcast is designed not to run past a certain number of minutes. At the beginning of each uh, podcast, I try to give you a little peek at what goes on under the hood. Something I don't think we consider when approaching creative works. It is often easier to trash talk than to take the time to understand why a particular creator took a chance on something a little different than past creations. Now look, no one is paying me to do this podcast, nor am I under the illusion that this is the roadmap to riches in vain. I do this for you, creators and publishers. I 100% want to help you find your next digital comic book pick. That's been my goal for almost three years now. It's not going to change. Okay, enough mindless chatter. Let's get on to the rest of the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And one last thing. Please send your comments to fantasticcomicfan at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Whether it would be good or bad stuff. While many people know Steve Niles from the 30 Days of Night comic books and subsequent movies... He has done many other things. However, one that may not have gotten onto your radar is the Delta 13 miniseries put out a few years ago by IDW. Here, Niles takes his time to bring his creepy horror ideas into outer space, and it shouldn't be a surprise that he doesn't disappoint. For me, it has shades of Ripley when a crew of Blue Crowler workers come across something in an asteroid belt. What that something is remains part of the mystery that slowly unwinds throughout the series. Teaming up with the art duties is someone no stranger to horror comics, Nat Jones. There are tons of ways to sample moyer art. You can easily Google his name, go to his website, or check out Stuff in comicsology. Comi- Together, the creative team gives the readers the right atmosphere and a cast that leaves you wondering what happens to whom next. There are no spoilers, but it is a horror comic. Not everyone is going to make it out alive, or, in this case, maybe unalive. So you know it isn't going to end like a trip down the yellow brick road. Now I understand the whole concept of reviews, but I am not a big fan of reviews lots of times. So here's the thing. You often don't understand why something gets created, or a chance to look under the hood. My approach is that there are countless things that I like, or am willing to try. Things, whether comics, movies, or books, I don't exactly like. I try to keep my opinionated trap shut. If I can't say anything good about it, why even bother? For me, this is a totally random pick to go with the whole 13-themed episode. There were other choices, had I not liked or thought something great about it. I don't read a lot of horror at times, where as much of variety in comics as I like to. But this one, yeah, it was pretty good. One of the best things about the series is you can borrow it two ways, either either through Comixology Unlimited or Hoopla. Now I understand many fans are not fond of digital editions, but there are excellent ways to sample new stuff. Or even better, hand it off to someone who isn't into comic books and say, here, read this, I think you might like it. As far as this 13th episode and 13th themed. I thought I would go to the Silver Age of Marvel Comics and look at some of their early 13th issues and see what we get. For example, just how unlucky is Fantastic Four 13 from 1963? This kind of opened a debate. First, you get Ditko inking Kirby's pencils. Then, what I could see this issue and the next that Ditko did the inks on the Fab Four is it. Too bad there weren't more issues because of Ditko's inks. Good for us, bad for the long term. I don't know about you, but I would have loved to see more Fantastic Four inks by Ditko. In the thirteenth issue of Fantastic Four, there's also the introduction of the Red Ghost and the Super Apes. Kind of sounds like the name of a '60s rock group, doesn't it? My introduction to the Red Ghost came in Fantastic Four 197 when Reed goes off to space to restore his powers. See. His stretching powers had started to fade back in Fantastic Four 157 in 1975 when Roy Thomas still wrote the book. Many writers, well, a few writers later, Reed has been completely depowered ever since the issue number 178. Now while in space, the red ghost appears on the ship and it's a long story on the two battle. At the time, I was more interested in the big story leading up to that big 200th issue. See, the team had disbanded in issue 191 and since then had featured solo stories of the team members. By now, with Reed battling the Red Ghost, everyone knows Dr. String, of course, is pulling the strings. With the Fantastic Four more or less reunited. Now, if you haven't read this art, you should. It is a a fantastic read and I still like to read it every now and then after all these years. Let's not forget the introduction of Marvel's favorite Peeping Tom, until Nick Fury the Senior came along, the Watcher, who also made his first appearance in this 13th issue. For a being who's not supposed to interfere, he sure contributed to a few messes within the Marvel mythos. And unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, the Watcher continues to meddle in the affairs of the Earth to this day. Let's swing over to Spidey here. Considering Parker's luck, especially during his teenage years, you might expect some crazy going on in this 13th issue from 1964. But of course, it's Peter. Whenever there's nothing ever crazy going on. The kid thinks he's got mental problems in the issue, or some sort of split personality which is causing him to go to on Spidey crime sprees when he sleeps. At one point in the story, Spidey thinks about going to see a shrink to help him solve his problems. And if that isn't enough, we get the introduction of Quentin Beck, Mysterio. Now, it's been a while since I've read these early issues, and I've forgotten had pretending to be a hero, much like in the movie. And good old JJ helps the new hero out with favorable press coverage any Kardashian would be proud to have. Of course, is the one impersonating Spidey, and it's all well that ends well with Mysterio turned over to New York's finest. Mysterio would continue to be unlucky for Peter through the decades. While many had a introduction to him via the movie, Mike and Kane leading up to Amazing Spider-Man 200 where he was responsible for the apparent death, of course, apparent, of Aunt May. No crying foul or spoilers. All I will say is that the story leading up to that amazing 200th issue is worth checking out. The anniversary issues were special back then, and all not all gimmicky like they sometimes come off as now. Over in Avengers 13 from 1964, it is terrible tidings to the Wasp. During the teen's first battle, with Count Nefario, Miss Van Dien is critically injured. More on that in a second. Now, the Count would continue to play into the Marvel Mythos, and now that John Proudstar, a.k.a. Thunderbird, is back, I'd like to see Prowlstar and the X Men go against the Count again. Now, I reckon a case could be made that the Watson near death experience started the ball rolling to the Avengers' first lineup change a few issues later. You know, the one where all the original Avengers left the team. The replacements at the time were dubious. We had Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch, with Captain America as the leader. I know, I know, many newer readers can't often seem to get into Silver Age stories. However, I cannot stress how important these early reads are to establishing the foundations of the overall Marvel mythos. Also, there's a certain amount of fun and charm because there are lots of first times without decades of buggy continuity weighing down the stories and characters. So let's try some of these out. I doubt you'd be disappointed. And most of them, they're available on Biology Unlimited Service. Free to borrow. One character's anniversary, of many, who slipped under the radar, was Dr. Terrence Thirteen. Last year marked his 70th anniversary, having made his first appearance in the Twilight of the Golden Age. Truthfully, it was hard to find a lot of the appearances of Dr. Thirteen. But at least what's available is good reading. Now look, I know a new Doctor was introduced in the New 52 continuity, but I'm not too fond of the New 52. Nothing honestly, against the New 52, but my issues go back to Crisis. Crisis not only said the past decades of continuity didn't matter, but cut out huge chunks of the DC mythos, for example Earth 2, and all those characters were erased, and even Wonder Woman died to get rebooted. Crisis does remain a favorite, but I've never been a fan of it and never happened. So I'm sticking to the classic Doctor 13. Besides, after all the medals and stuff, who's to say that the version of 52 is even around anymore? Now throughout the decades, Doctor 13 has been an occult investigator whose life mission was to discredit the supernatural. Or, as the good doctor put it, the great magician and escape artist Harry Sudini devoted the latter years of his life searching for the proof of the netherworld. Like Houdini, I too investigate the supernatural, but unlike him, I seek to debunk rather than prove its existence. Now that's from Ghost 97 from 1981, written by Paul Kalperberg with art by Michael Adams and Ted Blaisdell. Dr. 13 had a short run in this DC spooky anthology, a mere eight issues. Then, in the middle of the run, is a three-part team-up with the Spectra. Now, DC sometimes does weird things when it adds archives to its digital collection. Instead of giving us all three issues, it pulls out the backup stories and smashes the whole three issues into a digitized Ghost 97. But hey, at least we get the entire team-up story. Sometimes, the good doctor's reluctance to believe the unbelievable is more exasperating than keeping track of the legacy numbering of some of Marvel's comics. But even after meeting the specter and looking into the specter's eyes and seeing the face of death, it isn't enough to make him a true believer of those you don't want to get on the bad side. What's even funnier in the story is the other side of the specter is Lieutenant Jim Corden who plays mind games. For example, the lieutenant goes, Come on, Doc, you don't really expect to swallow this whole ghost story, do you? Or later in another crime scene, sure sure listen just don't touch anything in case ghost leave fingerprints on the last part the specter meets up with dr strange and informs the doctor he's dying the doctor comes up with all sorts of reasons why the specter is present perhaps a hallucination a figment of his imagination at one point i expect him to say something that the specter is a bit of undigested spicy burrito in the vein of how old ebenezer tried to brush off those old pesky ghosts of his own I don't think I've given the whole story of the team up, because I haven't. But just so you know, some big stuff happens to Dr. 13 in that 3-ish UR, so you're going to have to check it out for yourself. As I said, Dr. 13 did appear in the new 52, which I also said I would ignore. However, there's still plenty of classic Dr. 13 to be found. For example, there's the great run of Bronze Age Phantom Stranger, in which Dr. 13 co-stars. So despite his bullheadedness, I have grown fond of Doctor 13. And as always, I wanted to give you a sample of the character. Hopefully, you'll go track down some of the story, even if it is that new 52 ah, stuff. Before I wrap up, let's get to this episode's trivia of when the Spider Tracer was first introduced. Full disclosure, I'm cheating a bit. I'm going right to the Marvel Wiki for the answer. If you haven't checked it out, this wiki is a treasure trove of all things Marvel. The Spider Tracer didn't appear in Amazing Spider-Man 13, but two issues back in issue 11, when he used it to track Dr. Octopus. At first, Spidey used the device to track the Tracer, but eventually designed a Spidey Tracer in which he used the Spider-Sense to trace it. In recent years, Parker made a commercial version Drew Parker Industries. That's the trivia for this time around. Come back next episode for a new one. That's it for today's episode. Again, I would love to hear from you at Fantastic Comic fan. all one word at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I hope to see you next time. Look for new podcasts soon.